On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. Come on over, baby, whole lot of shaking going on. Yes, I say, come on over, baby, baby, you can't go wrong. A long time ago, I should have quit you, baby. Southern Rock Podcast, a southern storm of bold, liberating rock, shot through with blues, soul, and gospel. And now, your hosts for the show, Brian Jones and Jason Johannes. Todd Poole and Josh Weil from Roxy Blue, uh, thank you guys for being on. Good to be here. Thank man. you for having yeah, us. Yeah, man. I, that first album, is, your debut is so amazing. It Thanks, is so... Man. Amazing! I'm excited to have you guys on it's a, here. It's, it was a blistering record. Yeah, uh, it was fun to make. I mean, what I remember it of it, <laughs> I, I saw somewhere where it got voted the uh, the best album of the early '90s that didn't make it, or something, yeah. something no, like yeah, that. It, it actually or, was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, be, I believe it because it is, which is a dubious honor. It's I guess. called a day. We were a day late and a dollar short. You, were, you, I, right. I mean, you guys coming on right at the same time yeah, that the grunge movement was coming in and sort of pushing some of the rock way but it is a a fantastic album so Thank my you. first question for you guys though for you especially do you know a guy by the name of David Hudson yeah he's an extremely shady individual <laughs> <laughs> let me tell you something about that guy so I did an interview with that guy yeah part one part two and part three yeah how many questions did you ask me three <laughs> it, that's that's pretty much what he said too. Hey man, you know what? I don't. I'm not into the yes, no, right. Please, all that. I'm. You're a storyteller. What's going? On. I got a lot to talk about, and pro- sometimes probably way too much to talk about. But I, I learned it from a guy named uh, Zeke Logan, who was a disc jockey at uh, Rock 103 in, um, in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, God rest his soul. But yeah. uh, I did an interview with him when Roxy first started. And he said, I got done, and he was like, dude, and he's the one who kind of broke Roxy on radio there, and he was like, dude, that was the worst interview I've ever had in my life. So he gave me a cassette. Yes, kids, a cassette. Those are these little things that have a tape in them, and you have to run them. But anyway, he gave me a cassette. It was Ted Nugent in an interview, and he said, I want you to go home, and I want you to listen to this cassette, and I want you to bring this back to me, because if you don't, I'm going to hunt you down. So he says, I want you to listen to it. And I think he asked Ted, I think he got two sentences in, but Ted rambled. I'm no Ted Nugent, but it showed me that it's more, I was, I found myself more interested in the whole conversation because 
everything that I would ask him, he just told me. You know, it wasn't <laughs> like a questionnaire, mm-hmm. and and you know, he's lived a hell of a life. So, oh yeah, that, it was. I, I learned a valuable lesson mm-hmm. there, and I think some people are. I try not to step on anybody, but I have fun doing interviews with people, and I have. Um, I just. I, there's been a lot happened in my life when I when Roxy Blue started till today, and it's just there's no time to talk about it all. So, we have a free for long form podcast. You guys certainly can come on and, and chat as what long I, as that, you guys and want. That was my next question. <laughs> Be careful. Be careful what you wish for. Our fa- <laughs> hey, our favorite guests, honest to God, Brian, are the guys who can come on, and we don't have to lead and direct. You guys are story. You tell shit and like. Dude, People you can go to the bathroom. And I got this. <laughs> People don't want to hear us talk. We just That's say hi. Right. Yeah. Hey, how'd you start? Hey, this is Todd. And we Josh, just like, and there you go. I got you. And we'll three, two, one, go. So, what do you want to know? Um, I want to know just about Memphis, like what that scene was like. Is everyone was coming from LA then, and you know, you guys tore tore every mother's nightmare. So, go. <laughs> well, I mean, Josh, you can answer a lot of that too. So you. Were yeah. There. Well, the Memphis scene back then was fantastic. I mean, we had a lot of great music. I think. Uh, Lord Tracy, do you know who they are? Mm-hmm. They were there yeah. very frequently. They were from there, right? Uh, sort of. For the most, yeah, most of them were. You know, and, uh, Jerry wasn't. But that was actually the first show that we ever played as a band. Was opening up for them at a place called the Stage Stop, and then I think we played with Sweet FA. Yeah, we played with about show. three or four bands until nobody wanted us open anymore. <laughs> yeah. it, it hurt our feelings, and then our friends were like, "Dude, nobody wants you." Open because you're probably dude. showing them up, man. The- but. They we were, asked we were, us to we start headlining at that point, yeah. and I mean, we got before we got signed, we got to where there was a forty-five-minute wait to get in the clubs that we were playing. And I remember we played yeah. one night at a place, and it probably happened more. But I remember this night, I played. We played the gig and everything, and I left, and there was still a line again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it was that kind of thing. You had Tor Tora, you had Every Mother's Nightmare, Lord Tracy, Roxy Blue. I mean, yeah. the scene was insane. Plus, there were some underground bands that I dug, like uh, Son of Slam. There was a lot of great music in Memphis, man. And Memphis was really popping back then, so it was a it was a great time back then. I mean, every night, it was like being in Hollywood, to be honest with you. Right. And, and I think back then... A very small version. Well, yeah, but... I, <laughs> Nonetheless. But, you know, but it was... We went out to Hollywood, and it was, we was, you know, it was yeah. nonstop. It was constant. We had a great time, of course, with... With Doug Taylor, our manager, which is Motley Crue's manager, mm-hmm. and we had uh, uh, Mike Kling as our producer, and Tom Zutat. I was going to say Zutat had yeah, right. Zutat, yeah, I mean, we had a power, a power team. We got to go to all the cool parties. Right. We got to hang out with all the cool people. And were these just kids from Memphis that we didn't like? I was said earlier, we, we didn't realize the pressure that was on us. I don't even think we cared. We were very comfortable in our skin, but we things moved real fast. Sure. And, you know, and they're like, oh, you guys are going to be this. Nobody knew that Seattle was getting ready to come in. Right, right. I'm not even mad about it. A lot of people get mad about that. But, I mean, things happen for a reason. And and I actually love that music, actually. Sure, there's some cool bands that came out of that. I'll I'll never forget. Well, if you listen to our new record, it's got some of that influence on it. Yeah, 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 yeah. But funny story, you know, you say nobody knew that was going to happen. Tom Zutat brought us into his house. We were cooking out, and he played us. The uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit. Yeah. Oh. Before it came out. It was so like a demo. It was on yeah. DGC. It was on Geffen yeah. Sister yeah. label. And he was like, listen to this. 
And we listened. And, and I, I wanted to like re-record our record. <laughs> like, what? I, I listened Everything's to it, and I three was like, eh. I thought it was kind of weird. Yeah. I was like, yeah, that's okay. I love it. And then, it. you know, Super punk. the I mean, following punk. Uh, month or two just exploded. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean. Frank Shackler was uh, in our management company. Uh, his dad had, I think, house clean when they came to the States or something. But Frank... Frank was driving. He came to Memphis. We had a, I don't know, I think we had a show or something. I don't know if it was, the, but anyway, we're driving down the interstate. He's like, look, man, I've been trying to push these guys forever. They just got signed. I think they're Col- uh, Columbia or Capital. Maybe it's Capital. Allison Chains. Yeah. Yeah. He plays me Allison yeah. Chains, and it's a demo. And I'm like, this is some heavy but, shit, yeah, dude. I mean, it was a different. definitely metal. But it was a different kind of heavy. Yeah. And I was like, whoa. Yeah. And so I wasn't sure if I liked it or not. But it made me want to listen to it one more time. And then the more I listen to it, I'm like, God, dude. What? So, but I think Roxy, like Josh said, you know, like the new stuff we did. Yeah. It, it wasn't forced or, you know, we weren't going to make, we weren't going to make one some too, dude. It's 27 yeah, yeah, years yeah. Well, later. Exactly. So right. life took over. Right. <laughs> you know, we had kids. We had more to write about. And we yeah, changed we as musician. Up. And plus, we didn't have, Sid wasn't with us anymore. When you have a certain uh, certain group of people that get together and they write, right. you get that, right? Yeah. And it became very natural to us back then. Roxy, we get together. We love playing music. We love playing together. We were we practiced all the time. Not because we had to, because we wanted to. Sure. And we just loved it. And what we came up with was never forced. We just jammed it. Everything to us was great, you know, and then and they sorted it out. Right. But as time went on, you did, we didn't have Sid. And... So everything was different. So yeah, well, yeah. actually, Wayne Swinney from Survive, uh, Saliva, Saliva yeah. was our original because guitar I started player Saliva. I was this, the original guy. with this record, and so he's a heavier guitar player. Than right, Sid, right, right. And that's and you know, some of that he played on some of the records. It, he? Well, he, he, he play, oh yeah. So we recorded. Wayne actually joined back in the day. He joined Roxy Blue. So we did. We had uh, we did. So and it's on the, the, the Want Some More record that yeah. was on F and A. Uh, Wayne did. Uh, uh, I'm just wasting your time. That one, and we did. Uh, it was like he did a few. We had a few that were yeah. really cool. And Wayne's a great guitar player. But when we went into this record, Wayne was actually in the band, and we were like, "Look, man, he's still." You know, I started Saliva. Yeah. And me and Wayne started Saliva, and I was the drummer actually. Oh no shit! Yeah, yeah. So I played drums with my father-in-law. My father-in-law is Jimmy Jameson yeah, from uh, that's Survivor. What, that's so, what Dave, David said, yeah. yeah so yeah. I got a lot going you on in my life. music royalty. I got music flowing through my fucking underwear, man. All right? So, <laughs> but then we, got, hmm. then we got Jeff Codron, who played with Full Devil Jacket. He played with uh, Jasmine Kane, Every Mother's Nightmare. Every Mother's and Nightmare, I'd, yeah. I'd been friends with him for a while, and I'd seen him, and I know that I was in a band called 714, and we opened for Full Devil Jacket one time, and Jeff and I were talking. So when the time came, I said, Wayne, man, I can't, we can't splotch this, man. We got to have somebody permanent. He did the, uh, the Brett Michaels show with us, uh, and I'm like, man, we need somebody that's going to be there. And Jeff expressed a lot of interest, and I've always liked Jeff's guitar playing. So Jeff comes in, and I'm like, dude, can you handle the old Roxy stuff? He's like, dude, I've been listening to that shit forever. <laughs> and he walks in and just shreds it. And I'm like, cool. Plus, he's, he's a great guy. We're all friends. Right. And that's, and when you get older, that's one of the cool things. You want to make sure that you get along with everybody. 
because you're not really trying to be a rock star anymore. You just want to play music right. and, and have fun. And support each other and be able to go out and still do this. So you're doing yeah. it for a different reason. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I, I, I would still like to be a rock star. Though. Well, you <laughs> are. You guys are rock stars to me. Yeah. Well, right. you know, so when we made the last record for Frontiers, and we're working on a new one now, um, Jeff brought a lot to the table because he's a different type of guitar sure, player. Sure, so that, that And I played a lot of guitar on the record, too, so it just... It really just lent itself to a different sound, and we liked the sound. So we were prepared for people to, some people, for the most part, people liked it. Yeah. You know, but you had a few people that, I wouldn't say didn't like it, but were looking for want some, want some too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like Josh had said before, I don't think that we could have made that record. We wouldn't have been, we might have been kind of happy with it. But it wouldn't have been what we what, it wouldn't have we couldn't have gone to the next it would phase have been and the forced next phase and contrived and just yeah and then made what do you sound like something yeah, and yeah. what do you do after that what do you do after that what do you do after that when you have to make the the next record like the one we're making now then you got to go back and go okay well we got to make one some three but that's not where we are we want to be around for a while but at the end of the day we want guys like you and the fans and everybody to go. Man, dude, I really like this record. It feels good. I don't care what they did before. I like that, right. but I like this too. And we want to be happy with it. My kids, I want people to be proud of it. You know what I'm saying? It's what it's all about. To yeah, me. sure, sure. So this new record, people have asked me what it sounds like. We've got three in the bag that are tracked. We're going to go back, and we got about four to track. So you're going to do a full, uh, like a full album, and then release it because a lot of people yeah. are doing like Frontier, single, 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 single. Frontiers single. will not let you do that. Okay, right on. Unless they change right their on. format, they want you to do a full record. Okay. My buddy uh, Anthony Corder from Toronto. Yeah, we, we do yeah. We're going to talk to him there a bit. We do acoustic shows together, so but we've talked about yeah. that, and I know that they're talking about releasing singles. I think it's a Awesome idea. And they're Memphis too, right? Tour, tour they Memphis. Are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So oh, you Memphis guys. Yeah, they like were it. on Frontiers also. Yeah, yeah. And I, well, they are. They're not anymore. So, right, right. I think the the awesomeness of doing the singles is that's a great idea, especially in this time and era. You know, I love the records. I'm I'm a '70s. I mean, yeah, I yeah, really yeah, yeah. love. I think you're Brian and I, yeah. dude. I stared at Kiss Alive for like. <laughs> 10 hours straight my parents thought something will happen to me in my room <laughs> you know what I'm saying so that's what I love vinyl about yeah. but honestly um, if we were given the opportunity to release singles at a time I think I would probably go that route yeah. but I don't think I would give up the fact I'm big on God, man, I want that album cover, and I want to be able to open sure, it. Sure, like the yeah, because I mean, we're old school. Like that's important to us: physically, touch, see, feel. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, it's the like a ritual. Yeah. They'll never know. Yeah, They'll just never know. No. It's like a ritual no. of, of getting like your kiss wants love to, gun, pop yeah. gun in your record. Out, you're like, a kid, yeah. and somebody's yeah. you're going to get a gift. You don't want a picture, yeah. of, but you want the <laughs> fucking gift, right? You know, yeah. we talk to a lot of new and emerging rock bands. That's part of our thing, and like. They do Thank like the single, sing- awesome. and there's a shitload of good new rock bands coming out that play guitar and are really good. It's just there's nobody to promote them. So Brian started this podcast to help. Thank um, you, man. <laughs> You're welcome. But I they- love new, I love <laughs> bands that have done. anybody that's out there playing music. Oh. You guys are, you guys are the guys that are making the other bands have an outlet. It's hard yeah, to get it, out there. Exactly you know? right. Like there's great bands like Tyler Bryant, The Shakedown we've had on Georgia Thunderbolts. Uh, them Dirty Rose, like cool fucking bands that are playing rock on guitar. Them Dirty Roses, I them, know them. Oh, those guys. Andrew, the guitar player. I don't players, know them, but yeah, I know of their music. They're, they're 
they're, they're really they're good. Guys, so, yeah. You know, that's what we try to do, but they don't understand necessarily like the physical, like touching feeling. When they release a single and a single and a single on all that. So um, I like I like you guys going to put everything all out once with physical media. Man, you know, I, I, I appreciate everything you guys do because what you just said right then, you know, I'm, I used to manage a little young band that was insane called Under the Radar. And they were, they, you know, two of them, you know, they started when they were, I started managing them when dude was like 11, yeah. you know. And, um, but to have, you can't explain to these people, these kids, what it was like back in the day. Right. You got in the woodshed and you worked your ass off and you went and played gigs and you developed a following and that's what that's what got the record companies yeah. to come out and they physically come see you and if they liked you they either put you on a, a development deal or they'd say we get first dibs but eventually hopefully you get signed yep. and you get that feeling and everything was physical touch feel yeah, and all that yeah, yeah. and then but it's different now you know you know back then this is this will sum it up i hung out with Tommy, Nikki, we all yeah, did. Yeah, yeah, the crew. We hung out the One crew. One of my favorites. Uh, Janie Lane actually oh, discovered. He's Rock- from Ohio. I'm he from Ohio. He discovered Roxy Blue. He Janie single-handedly did? discovered Roxy Blue. In a Roxy club Blue. in Memphis. We were yes. playing. Wow. He, he came What a talent. Rest we're, in peace, we're, we're, man. Brought us out to California. We're very good friends with those guys. We've played with Warren, too. They still sound They're, good, though. I know they got the so, new Robert guy. Mason's but, yeah, awesome. Yeah, he is. But the thing is, is that, you know, you can't explain to people what that was like back then, but back the, what I could tell people is that I hung out with these guys. All of us did all the time. <laughs> we didn't have cell phones, so I couldn't yeah. do selfies. <laughs> you know, your selfies would look so. Believe maybe me, criminal. or don't. Yeah. So well, we love to have like. When's the new album come? When, when are we playing for the new album? When's it going to come out? Twenty twenty two is all, all, right. all we can give you because I, we don't know, but we're. We're probably going to go through a phase where we're going to, you know, we get some stuff on tape. Yeah. We're hoping to have it out. I would say, to be realistic, um, I think Frontiers is usually, what, about uh, four to six months turnaround. Once okay. So I'd say, let's just say mid-2022, I right. guess. But when, hopefully 2022 is going to be good to all of us. Yeah. So we don't have to worry about all right, this. Right. Let's so. believe that, yeah. But sure. I would like to personally, and I'm sure I can speak for Josh Ray, thank you guys sure. for, yeah. thank for, you for doing what you here. do. Thank man. you so much. Yeah, let's get together and come do a on, marathon. Come on. A f- yeah, we'd love to have you on. Please come on. Give me some info so we can call. We will, we will give gotcha. you guys our info for yeah, sure. We'll have the 24-hour special. I love it. And I love you guys. Thanks for being on. Thanks for talking Pool and Josh Weil from Roxy Blue. Thank you, guys.
final guests of the day here at Rock and Pod that we are super we're excited, super excited, you guys excited get so about. Lucky. It was I don't know. It's, How did you guys get so lucky? We're, we are. We're so excited to talk to you. It's we Anthony Corder and Mr. Keith Douglas. And Keith Douglas uh, from Tora Tora out of Memphis. Yes. We, t- we uh, talked to Todd Poole earlier from Roxy Blue. Oh, what you God. do that for? And, and, uh, he is crazy, <laughs> man. He said you guys were a bunch of jerks. No. God, I mean, <laughs> Todd. We just spending some time together. He's crazy, man. He's totally <laughs> different. But we all grew up together. Right. Our band, uh, the Every Mother's Nightmare, yeah. and uh, Roxy Blue, we were all kind of coming along at the same time. We, we spoke to Lonnie yeah. Hammer already. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. He, they were all part Unscheduled. of Unscheduled. We came by and went to talk to him. Yeah, Sweet. man. He's crazy. Uh, but, man, Memphis was fun. At that time, everything had kind of spilled over, you know, from the Sunset Strip. And, and Bill Street's kind of like that. It's kind of like this area where everybody's kind of hanging out, partying. And we were all little. Everybody was trying to figure out what was going on. But we had a couple of venues around town that would let you do original music and have, you know, bands play and stuff. And there was kind of a scene, like down on the Daisy, the New Daisy on Bill Street and stuff. It was, uh, there was a local DJ that he put on a, uh, a jam during the week and so he got the local music store to provide the back line and he was there as a DJ so he promoted on the radio so all these kids that were underage had a place to go and see live music it yeah. was all like little high school kids or you know you know, and older and the place would be packed it would be like on a Tuesday night like some random night and People, because of the reach where Memphis is geographically, it was reaching over into Arkansas and Mississippi. Sure. And all that. So all these kids would show up on Bill Street for this big jam thing, and it was all these bands as well that were coming from all those areas. So it was a big draw, and uh, it was funny. So we saw Tide and all them. We had all kind of incarnations of seeing or seeing them go through different bands and us working on our stuff. and. It was just so fun. The scene was crazy. It, it was kind of competitive. You know, you're kind of turfy yeah. and territorial, but it was like in a good way because if somebody else got some action, it kind of brought attention to your group, right. you know, and we saw that kind of spill over a couple of times where we'd be like, well, God, so-and-so is talking to the A&R guy, you know, so, and then all of a sudden a bunch of A&R dudes are yep. showing up, you know, and looking around it. So it was a it was a fun time to be a part of that. It was a good time. Yeah. And it, it's funny, though, just... And you guys were like one of the you were one of the first bands to make it kind of out of the Memphis area in that rock scene at that time too, yeah. right? You guys like the the flag bearers. Yeah, I think before us there was a, way, a level of a wave of music that came out that was a little bit older than us, like Target and all those kind of yeah. guys. Elvis Presley. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the guy, there's a huge legacy way way ahead of us, but in the rock world, like uh, Target was on A and M, I think. Yeah, they were signed to A and M, and they kind of sounded like Bad Company. And uh, Jimmy Jameson, the singer, yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. The Survivor no, no. and all yep. that stuff. Yep. So, yep. But uh, so yeah, I guess there was kind of this for a second. There was just kind of this build up. You know, it was kind of bubbling under the surface in the community and everything. That sure. hey man, the rock scene's kind of taken off. And, yeah. Uh, there were some people there that were kind of had like a little ecosystem going where they had some contacts and all that. And all of a sudden, it started benefiting you know everybody. So we were lucky at that mm-hmm. time, and that we came along. It was, it was fun. Yeah, hell yeah! Everybody was partying, and we had a good time. <laughs> we were a bunch of little crazy people. It was funny. It was funny. I've got a specific uh, tour question to ask you guys about. I remember reading this back, and it was probably like Metal Edge or something like that. Like you guys were on a tour package with. 
Ellie Guns was a headliner, and then Dangerous Toys, and you guys. And I think it's like your manager had said something like, "Well, we're not going to let those guys on the Dangerous Toys bus because we'll yeah. never see them again." Oh, yeah. <laughs> they separated us. Yeah. All three of our bands on a day off, they would put us in different hotels. Yeah, because they didn't want us to find each other. Really? Yeah. yeah. It was so fun. We we that was one of the first big tours that we did. It was it was theater, so it was like 2,000 seat yeah. venues everywhere. And we had never met the LA Gun guys before. We were in Dayton, Ohio. Oh, I think was the first. I, I, yeah, what part of Dayton, Ohio? Hair Arena, or where were you guys at? It was a theater. I, I, I got oh, to think of what it was. I, I, I'm drawing a blank. I'm from Southwestern Ohio and spent a lot of time in Dayton, so I'm trying to think what that might have been. We played. Brace it had Pavilion? to be around. A, it had to be around a 2,000 seat venue or something. Yeah, but, something but anyway, like we went to the hotel oh. and they said, "Hey, we're having a meeting." That. Tour manager came by and knocked on the door. Hey, we need you downstairs in the lobby, you know, at 7 o'clock or whatever. And we're like, oh, shit. You know, what's going on? They're having some kind of call. And, uh, man, we go down there and we walk in. And it was the whole Ellie Guns entourage, man. Their crew and them and everybody. And they said, get ready. They held a drink up like yes, grabbed it. Get ready for the best eight weeks of your life. We're pissed at, you know, and we just went, oh. I mean, our eyes were big around in saucers. And we went, oh, my God. We're missing a freak out, you know. And uh, it was so fun. We kind of clicked with the, the Dangerous Toys guys right off the bat because we kind of had this Southern thing going on. Mm-hmm. You know, they were from Texas and we were from Tennessee, so we kind of got along with them. I love Jason. I still yeah. talk to him, you know, frequently. And uh, But we kind of got in cahoots with each other, you know. And L.A. Guns at that time had already been out on the road for a, a while. I mean, they were kind of just knew that. Yeah, that first album. Knew the whole, yeah. how, to, how this whole thing was going to go down. So they knew how to put on a good party. And... Um, we just ended up clicking with them, Danny and uh, everybody on the the Dangerous Toys side. We started like switching buses and getting on each other's rides and everything. And it was like herding cats at the end of the night. You know, they're doing head counts and going to. We have everybody. We're gonna drive <laughs> like off. a high school field trip. We're gonna yeah. drive off and leave somebody. And uh, so yeah, it got to the point where they said, "All right, listen, we're just gonna separate everybody, and nobody's riding each other's bus anymore." You know, it's getting like or it was out of control, but. It was so fun, man. It, it was, was a good time. Hell yeah, sounds that way. It was some of the most beautiful venues. We played like the Fox Theater in Atlanta and stuff, and it had like twinkle lights on the ceiling huh. that looked like clouds. Ooh. I think it was, it might have been, I'm not Gosh, sure if it was Atlanta. I, I'm, I can vision the building, but it would like, every once in a while they just shoot like some smoke, and it huh. would go over like a cloud. Like I was standing there playing my guitar. Like, Wasn't looking, like the tabernacle or anything? It was something been, else. Like, something the tabernacle like, was like an old church. Yeah, this one had like little sparkle lights that look like stars, so when you're in the venue, you look like you're outside, you know? And then all of a sudden they'd shoot like a little thing, a cloud would kind of come. I was playing my guitar, just going, oh my God, it's... <laughs> It was. It was so. They were beautiful. We walked in a couple of them and went, "Are we at the right venue?" Because this place was beautiful. I mean, it was like you know the velvet seats and huh. all that kind of stuff. I'm so. I'm still thinking about the Dayton thing. Did you play in like Memorial Hall? Maybe. Might have been. That, that sounds, sounds familiar. Weird. Okay, because that's downtown. It's actual theater. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Memorial Hall. Okay. That sounds right. I saw Gallagher perform there once. Oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> we might have been on that tour. I would have seen all you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing against Gallagher, but no, you know, Gallagher you know, is awesome. He's, he's, uh, it was also like 1998, maybe. So you know, oh is Gallagher still alive? Yeah, I, okay. I think so. I love Gallagher. You know, yeah. Gallagher has a brother who stole his act, called himself Gallagher too, and they sued each other. Over. Uh, Oh my god! <laughs> like smashing the same like watermelons and shit too. So, <laughs> Gallagher, I mean, how should you use it? Your brother takes your act I know, away from man, you, right? This is crazy. And that's the whole act. That's all. That is, that is the whole act. 
<laughs> smashing produce wow. all day long. But uh, yeah, that would have been a good venue to see you guys. Yeah. Now ask your blue Southern rock influence question that I know you got. Well, yeah. Who who did influence your guys' sound? Whoa, this is a big question. Well, we asked this because you guys came out in that era of music where a lot of the bands weren't really known or given the credit for uh, having that blues, southern rock influence. You guys certainly mean from Memphis. Your songs are definitely in the vein of kind of like what we talk about. Yeah. Man, there's a lot. Yeah, I mean, musically, I don't know, just the old older rock. I mean, for me, yeah. And I, I think by the time we got to when our album came out in '89, right? I don't, I don't know. We just, we just kind of got clumped in with the whole hair metal, right? Even though you weren't. Some of our favorite bands like Tesla, Cinderella, yeah. yeah. Like those guys aren't hair metal. Yeah, they were blues and like you got yeah. the same thing. Yeah, right. yeah, they definitely did. So I think, you know, I mean, of course, Zeppelin-y stuff. Who was? Pulling stuff yeah, from well, where we're from. They weren't straight you up know. playing blues songs on those first two albums. Those first two albums are blues albums. Yeah. 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 Black Sabbath playing blues. We were big. I was a big Zeppelin and had a huge influence yeah. on me for sure, Robert Plant. But, well, you um, look a little bit like Robert Plant. That's crazy. That is crazy. <laughs> you do? That's crazy. How many but, times have you heard that? I've heard that. Yeah. But I, man, I just, I don't know. I was some. I wasn't familiar with them when I was first listening to music and stuff. I think my family influenced me more than anything. They were like kind of porch pickers out of the Delta in Mississippi. Okay. So we listened to like Mississippi John Hurt. Yeah. My granddad was friends with him. He had his records. Wow. He, he wasn't musical. He loved music, and so he got his children to play. So they learned the finger picking style. Um, that looks really simplistic and everything, but when you start actually watching what they're doing you're like oh my god man they're like doing the, the rhythm and the bass and the and the main melody and they they were doing it in a standard tuning because they didn't know any different about open tunings and all that so but that was kind of ingrained in, in my musical influence the blues thing I think just geographically us being in Memphis well, we yeah. couldn't help it you know because we love like rock I mean like Aerosmith and, and Cheap Trick and I'm trying to think of Bad Company and yeah. Yeah, I also had a lot of metal yeah influence I mean from my high school years I guess more of you know Queensryche and Maiden and Judas Priest and like, like my, metal metal yeah you know early yeah. early stuff yeah um, so you know I think we've pulled things from a lot of places yeah really and you know I, it's things we still write I can hear influences in direct you know Absolutely. a lot of the times <clears throat> yeah it, and it could be anything from you know Metallica to James Taylor yeah, James Taylor on a tour tour. That's yeah. it. Why not? Or James Brown. He could James, James Brown, Brown or James Taylor. See? James Brown, I can absolutely. There's kind of like that James Browny thing in like Shattered. Yeah. Oh yeah. I don't know. I'm, they call me the Funk Master. <laughs> <laughs> he did have Save James Brown on his guitar. For I did. Right? Really? I actually had that scribbled in a sharpie on the back of my guitar on. Maybe the surprise attack tour. It had to be. Yeah. Well, is your guitar playing like influenced by like again growing up in the Memphis and close to like all those blues playing? Are you more influenced by like metal, like the metal guys are talking Probably. about? Probably metal and the rock. Yeah, guys. I mean, I was never even though I grew up in Memphis and have been around the music. You were just sitting playing like five bar. It's not like before. I sat around listening to blues. Or my family is not musical. Yeah, they're the opposite of Anthony's family. <laughs> um, 
And so, you know, I just pulled all of my stuff from old rock records. I mean, Van Halen and yeah. Kiss. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, and in the blues just kind of worked its way in. Well, again, like we've been talking to everybody ways. else, blues, blues and R&B is the foundation to everything. Yeah. That you guys did and are doing to the stuff that these new bands that are coming out are playing too, right? Like without all that stuff, it's not going on with what we're doing. Yeah, sure. And I think it started showing up more kind of as we were growing musically and all yeah. that kind of stuff. Because you, you could tell the difference between our records, you know, the sessions and stuff that we did, just different right. things that we were doing. Well, you guys used horns. You guys used horns, right? Yeah. Used like Memphis horns, right? Or, yeah. Like, yeah. They were so great. Yeah. I we, love that. I love hearing horns on rock records like that. When we met them, we were probably, I was probably 21 or 22, I guess. Do you guys know a lot about the Memphis horns? A little bit. A, a little, little bit, bit about them. Yeah. Man, Google it. Yeah. It'll blow your mind. Yes, your listeners. They, the, the records they've played on. They played on like, oh, sure. Or had played on probably like 300 number one records by yeah, the time we yeah. met them. But we felt like we'd known them our whole life. The second we, they walked into a rehearsal room with us and started talking to us, and it was, it was crazy, man. I mean, they were, a, you know, a, a interracial group of people traveling around in the South in the '60s, and so they talked to us about that. We were little kids, we were a little rock, you know, garage band, rock and roll band, but they were talking to us about stuff about life. I mean, they really were. They became friends of mine. I stayed friends with them until they passed away. Uh, it was James and. Uh, Wayne Jackson and Andrew Love, excuse me. And, uh, but they told us, they said, man, we would be driving around and be scared to like pull over because we thought somebody's going to kill us. And, you know, we're like this group of people, right? Musicians right now. Um, but when they came in, they just had this sound, man. We had worked on a, on a different horn arrangement and stuff um, with Jim Price and Bobby Keys from the oh, Stones. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. And it was just super busy. And we said, man, if we use this, we're going to end up having to probably take horns on the road because it's just... I mean, it was kind of its own, that arrangement was kind of its own thing outside our band. And they, somebody just said, hey, man, Wayne and them are in town. Do you want them just to come by, you know, and, and see if they, if you would like something they do? And so we ended up talking to them and stuff. But, man, they were amazing. They were so, I mean, just freaking awesome. Bobby Keys and them were great, too. I mean, oh, I've lived here forever, you know, yeah. known them up here, but... Um, it was Memphis amazing to me good. years down the road to see Bobby Keys on stage with the Stones, and mm-hmm. I was like, "Man, that guy was on my record!" <laughs> yeah, it was mind blown. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was really cool. We were really lucky. We had got a, a lot of opportunities to work with people, but I think just drawing off all these people, man, music is like you know afforded us this opportunity. A lot of times to run into people and stuff that we can't even believe that we got a chance to talk to and stuff. And their influence on us, you know, it's kind of like your circle of influence, the people you're kind of running around with and hanging around with at the time are kind of loading you up with information. And, and we started backtracking into stacks and all that when we were with the Memphis Horns. Yeah. Like, you know, we were new Otis writing songs and stuff off the radio or In the Midnight Hour by Wilson Pickett or one of those William Bell songs that they played over. But we never were, like, putting it together like, oh, this is the guys, you know, that did this. And so we went back and started digging all that. And I think you started seeing that as we grew up as players. We started saying, okay, man, now I'm kind of... We always had respect for it, but it was kind of integrating itself into what we were doing. And it changed, man, from Surprise Attack to, you know, Wild America to by the time we got to Revolution Day, it was definitely that bluesy flavor was in there. And that was more, again, what I'm hearing is through more osmosis of just where you grew up, the people you're around, not intentionally trying to make that sound. Yeah, yeah. And I think it just worked its way in. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think we've ever intentionally 
tried to sound one way or the other. Sure. Yeah. You know, it's always been. But you guys have a lot of variety in your music too. Like that's the whole thing. It's like you're not doing. You're not making the same album every time you make the album. Yeah. Right. We're trying to, you know, look around. We want to kind of do stuff. That's. I think that's a challenge for everybody. You know, that you you want to continue to keep the people that you have interested in what you're doing, and then you're trying to grow it at the same time. So you're like, and creatively, you're always wanting to kind of, you know. Yourself. I love the new merch, by the way. I saw your guys on Instagram oh, and stuff. It looks really, really good. Oh, the shirts thanks, look man. super cool. We're excited so. about that. We had a guy. I'm named, excited to buy one. Yes, <laughs> man. There was a guy named Dean Tomasak that did our artwork for Bastards of Bill. He's been yeah. doing a lot of the, the logos and stuff for us lately. Uh, he played in a band called Valentine Saloon. Y'all remember that? No, uh uh-uh. uh. A long time ago. He was a bass It's a cool name. Them. It sounds like a band that like would be in this I, like thing, Valentine I think Saloon. We played with him one time in Murfreesboro. We were laughing because I didn't know him as a musician. I just met him through some friends and we were talking. And as we got talking, I was like, oh my God, I think we played on Main Street in Murfreesboro, y'all. You know? But he's an incredible artist. He, he does murals all over the place, he does you know, graphic design. Uh, but um, yeah, the new merch and stuff is out. If you guys want to find it, you can find it at Right Rock Sportswear uh, okay. slash Tora Tora. Yeah. Or, or you can come to us on toratoramusic.com or just reach out to us on social media. We're always on there. It's us talking to everybody. Yeah. So we love hearing from everybody. I'm, I, we've, this podcast follows you guys on Instagram for sure. And that's why I've been seeing a lot of the cool pics and stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, I got to buy some stuff because it looks great. And I like you guys. Oh, Sweet. man. Thank Sweet. you so much. We're excited about that. We're excited We've about We've got music. a song. Yes. New single. All right. There's the info. Yeah. Trip Coming out the September Light. 3rd. Fantastic. Trip nice. the Light. Fantastic. Yeah. Right on. Tell us we're, about this song. Man, we're super excited about it. We actually we went in the studio like the in May, um, and it was the first time we'd all seen each other uh, since 2020, February. We played out Thanks, in Denver. Thanks, COVID. Yeah. yeah. We went out to Denver, and we came home. And I, I mean, I'll never forget it. Everybody goes... We're going in the studio in March, and we said, hey, something's going on weird. Let's just push it back a couple of weeks, and I'll see you in like a month when this thing blows over. Yeah. And I, we were oh like everybody God. else. We went, oh, my God, this is like something totally not what we were expecting. But um, So we went in the studio in May. Uh, we cut 12 tracks, and we did basic tracks. So Keith and I are so now. full album. Of, we got a full album. We got a not full an EP, album. full album. We got a full album. But I think we're going to let out one song at a time okay. for a little while. You're going to tease. Everybody's teasing people these days. You're going to tease people, huh? Yeah, I think we're going to do it that way. And plus, there's some things that we want to do. We've got some some of the songs that we want to kind of build some arrangements, you know, and just take our time. The the last record that we did was really, um, we did it really quickly. We were kind of, budget-wise, we were kind of limited. Time-wise, I was going back and forth from Nashville, and we just said, hey, we're going to just go in here and do this thing live. And so Bastards of Bill is basically the band. Like, we just were in there. I was in an ISO booth. They were in the room. We were in Sam Phillips' studio. Yeah, oh. It was killer. Wow. Yeah. Everybody wow. from Bob Talk Dylan. Talk about some history, Seriously, man. man. Yeah. Everybody from Bob Dylan to, like, Robert Plant saying, I mean, I was standing in the spot. I was like, oh, my God, this is awesome. But anyway, we just counted it off and went. And we did a couple of takes, and then we'd say, all right, which one do we like? And, you know, build it from there. And this time, we, we were talking to John, and we said, man, let's just take time. You know, go in. Let's make it. You take time in the studio. Switch your snares out. Let's get, you know, get in the room, freak out, do whatever you want to on the drums and everything. So, And then Keith and I were like, we can probably just build them out as we kind of go along and then when we get a group of them together we like then we'll just maybe press up a vinyl or something for that some kind of exclusive for the audience so when you're in we're recording in a place with that kind of history and stuff how does it 
influence you? How does it inspire you? Man, listen. Does it like you it feel was, it coming off the wall? Yes. There's man. a real vibe. If you right? walk in there, yes. it felt like Sam Phillips was fist and walk in. It still was decorated like the 60s. It had, seven, you know, the shag carpet, red shag carpet all through the building. Listen, Love this it. is, I don't want to keep y'all forever, but something no, no, that was. Stay so, as long as you want. We have nobody behind you. Please something stay. Something that Please was stay. awesome was when we were going in, Keith and I said we, we had a, um, a drop deadline date for our turn in our stuff with Frontiers because we were trying to launch it as, uh, on a certain day to go on the Monsters of Rock cruise. And uh, so I, I picked a day, and I said, I'm coming to Memphis. And they called me, and they said, hey, man, William Bell wants to come in and record. And he's from Stax. If your audience doesn't know who he is, he's a Stax legend, man. Everybody knows Stax. Yeah. Please. And so I was like, what am I going to say? No, yeah, of course <laughs> he's coming in. But I was like, you know, let's figure this out. And they go, well, we can send you the music you can sing in Nashville, or you can go to it. And I said, no, man, I'm doing it in Memphis. This is Bastards of Bill. I'm coming there. So I said, let's just figure it out. And uh, so, man, I come in the day I'm going to do it. I walk in, and there I could hear the music in the room. It was like a B3 and some guitars oh. going, and it was like church. I'm not kidding. This guy's voice is amazing. Yes. I was getting chills just walking in. A B3 sounds like gospel just yeah. by itself. Yeah, it's man, it was awesome. Yeah. Well, so they go, hey, we want to tell you something. And so i got to tell you all ahead of time about the story. Downstairs of the studios, okay, then there's a set of stairs that go up, and there's this empty room that used to be their distribution room, you know, where they put albums and stuff, and it's got the red shag carpet. And then you turn, and there's a set of stairs, and when you go on the tour, they won't let you take any pictures once you get on the stairs. They're like, this is the offices and everything. So it's like a little reception desk. There's a bar that's decorated like 1950s right on your right. You can still go in there and mix a drink. I mean, it's kick-ass. And then right straight ahead is Sam Phillips' office. Wow. And it's shut. You can't take any pictures. They won't even let you look at it or anything. And then over to the side is like a general manager's little office on the hall. But anyway, the day I got there, they go, hey, we want to take you upstairs. And I was like, oh, crap. They're going to take me to the bar and tell me I can't record today. You know, I'm thinking it's like something bad. So I'm walking and I'm talking. And as we turn the corner and I look up, his office, Sam's office is open and my microphone is set up. I'm getting oh chills on my arm right now. <laughs> It's in his office, set up. Now his office looks exactly like it did. Exactly. Okay. It's still set in up. The- I mean, it's exact. His desk is sitting there. He's got the first iPod. He's got his like his singles jukebox built into the first his desk. iPod. That's like the size of this. It is gigantic. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and look, his phone's sitting there, so he can call. Hey, I got the new forty-five ready for you to go out. Wow. And, you know. So anyway, well, I here's freak. the coolest. There's these leather chairs in there. Yeah. In the office, and we somebody was showing us pictures, and there's a picture somewhere of Sam Phillips and Elvis sitting in there. Jesus, and Carl Perkins, and you know I don't know who else, but it's just wild. It's man. awesome. Yeah, they had like a chick sitting there loud. But anyway, next the to same each, furniture's in each there. I, it's wild. Of the chairs had those stand-up '70s one stand ashtray. You know, it's like yeah, it looked like you could just have yeah. a cigar in it. Be like, yeah, man, what's up? <laughs> Where you go. But anyway, I walked in. I had a heart attack, man. But I sang the whole record in that office for two days. I did five songs one day and five songs. Keith was with me the whole time. No pressure. The, the, when I walked in, the, the uh, producer had his computer set up on Sam's desk. And all, they had run all kind of chords through the building. They had my microphone in. And there was a box, one of those console box TV sets in there from like the 50s that stood on legs, you know? And listen, it had a drawer on the front of it that was pulled out. It was a freaking Roy Orbison 45 sitting on it. Oh, whoa. And I, so in between every take, I'd sing, ah, and i turn around, I was like, man, damn, that's right, Roy Orbison's 45. 
I'm it was gl- just so cool, man. I'm glad you shared that story. Yesterday, I was uh, fortunate enough to, to uh, tour RCA Studio yes, B. Yes, man. Oh, wow. yeah, and there was a guy like taking us to the tour and narrating, and the little uh, accent with black tape where Elvis stood. Yes, and, man. And yeah. they're mentioning Roy Orbison. They had a picture of Roy Orbison without his glasses. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's very wow. But I mean, yeah. just like the history in that place, it's just it's yeah. incredible. Yeah. Could you it even recognize him with like a picture without his glasses? I wouldn't glasses know. On? He, I wouldn't looked, he looks really young, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. all the stories about Elvis and Willie Nelson yeah. and everybody and Waylon Jennings and everybody. Oh, God. Yeah, there. they were wild, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So much great music, man. It was amazing. But yeah, that Sam Phillips thing was amazing. But now we're in, we're here. We're at the new song, Trip the Light Fantastic. Trip the Light Fantastic. We did it at Young Avenue Sound with our producer, Adam Hill. And this song is just about us all coming together, man. We, I think a lot of artists are writing this. It's just kind of always been kind of a. I don't know, an outlet or a release or something for you to talk about. Is this nice and upbeat then? It's like a positive thing moving forward? Yeah, it's definitely upbeat. It feels good. good. It's got like a really cool groove on the drums. John did a great job. Keys guitars are fun. Uh, we're just, we wanted to have the song for y'all today, and they're mixing it this weekend, and we just said, let's make sure it's right. But we'd love yeah. to send it to y'all ahead of time. Send sure. it. Send it. We yeah. will put it on all our media. We'll, yeah. We can play it on the podcast episode sometime yeah. for you guys, whatever you want. Awesome. Yeah, we definitely want to do that. But we're really excited about it. We've got this one. we got... Um, uh, 12 of them in the bag so we're we're gonna just kind of work on them and we're gonna let them out a little yeah. bit quicker uh, the last record we did about three singles off that when and we're just gonna kind of work on these just one at a time and just throw them out get them out when they're ready a lot of people are doing that like a lot of newer bands are doing it because I think it's I think financially it works from a little bit better and yeah. then they don't also have the name in the back like you guys would have like hey you know people know Tora Tora so it's a little bit easier for you so that seems to be like the new trend is just doing those I think so yeah I mean people are so short attention span right, right these right. days yeah you know yeah, it's short, that's right. That's why. That's why you guys have all four social media things on here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's crazy. You know, where do you guys get the most involvement in, with social media? Like, what, what works best for you guys? Probably the Facebook. I think live has been a way to stay connected. Live streaming. I do a, a thing on Sunday afternoons where I jump on there and yeah, just play a yeah. couple of songs and. We've had a really good response off that. It, it's actually been really kind of therapy, man, through the pandemic, just right. to try to just stay connected connect. with people. Yeah. And also to hear where they're listening from, we love that. Sure. That helps us a lot. With, while we're looking at geographically and logistically about dates and tours right. and all that kind of stuff. So. I asked because we talked to, our, like, a lot of our podcasts are these newer artists, and we're trying to give them recognition and then establish acts like you guys. So it's funny to see what works best for people these days. You know, like... I would like Facebook, yeah, because that's probably more in tune. It's very funny, but right. like TikTok, that's like the younger, the yes, younger guys, man. right? My, like, what the hell is TikTok? My kids do TikTok. My <laughs> sons all tell me they're like Facebook, man. I don't know where you're on there. But that's what they're the on Instagram, people. Snapchat. Right. I've had to learn to do Instagram just for this podcast. Like, yeah, that'll. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, man. <laughs> you know, I knew Twitter a little bit. Like, you know, Twitter's different. Facebook, yeah. sure. Like Instagram. Yep. I guess we're going to have to learn TikTok now. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Something else. That's all we need. Keep going, man. That's, That's all we need to tour, tour TikTok. It is. Account. Hey, it keeps it. That rolls off the tongue. Tour, tour TikTok. Yeah. And it go. keeps us, man. It keeps us engaged, man. I love it. Music is always changing and moving, and I love that part of it. That great. Well, that's the good thing about the podcast, too, is music's always changing. It used to be you go into a uh, uh, radio station, 
right? Yeah. You don't have to do that. We can have you guys on for an hour, two hours, whatever. You guys can talk about whatever you guys want to. And your personalities get to engage a lot more than going, hey, here's this new single, here's a song, yeah. go see us on tour. Yeah, you know? sure, absolutely, and that's why we're here, man. We appreciate you guys yeah, and what man. you're doing. Thank y'all for giving us a platform oh, shit, to talk yeah. about. Yeah. We really you're welcome, and thank you. Yeah. This is awesome. We're man. just regular dudes who like music. You know? well, yeah, we are, too. It is, we know? are, too. That's the way we feel. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So come back and see us when that album or the singles are ready to go. My mic's doing weird stuff. I'm like picking up a lot of weird shit. Uh, <laughs> well, thank you to Anthony Porter and Keith Douglas thank from you, Tora Tora. Come back. We'd love anytime. to have you back on a full episode. Thank you so much. Yeah, awesome, thank man. You guys. Y'all have a great trip, man. I'm glad y'all are here. Thanks, we appreciate guys. it. Well, that closes out all our uh, interviews from Rock and Pod. Uh, it was excellent. We want to thank Mark Goodman. Don Jamison, Matt Pinfield, Lonnie Hammer, Ace Von Johnson, our friend Matt Wake, Connor Shank, uh, Brother Dusty from The Reveal, our little sister Jack Solo, Roxy Blue and Tora Tora. Uh, Jason, give me your, uh, you know, your thoughts on our first Rockin' Pod. Uh, well, that one, that was a lot of people. You, <laughs> you ran off that list and I was like, we talked to a lot of people, didn't we? Uh my thoughts, it was awesome. It was a lot of fun. I enjoyed seeing everybody. I really liked that we had like Dusty come up and Connor come up. I uh, want to chat with us, just randomly seeing Matt Wake walk on and grabbing him. Um, having uh, Lonnie Hammer from Hammer Down Hard came like, so a lot of unexpected people. It was a lot of fun. Um, probably the best part was hanging out with you in the state of America boys in person, but it was, it was pretty awesome. I'm going to be back. Yeah, that's special thanks to Ian Rice and David Hudson from the state of America. Specifically, David uh, kind of gave us a roadmap, kind of what to expect, and he was kind of our, our guide, and we got to eat at some great places and uh, enjoy some great company, and uh, I can't wait to do it again next year. Yeah, and David encouraged us to sign up, which was great, so I jumped in and got us one of those, you know, early edition platinum memberships, which was nice. Um, but yeah, it was great, man. It was just fun talking to everybody, uh, being around people. You know, we went to dinner with Matt Wake and Greg Renoff, who is an author who wrote a really cool book about Van Halen and a couple other people. So, you know, at dinner, he spoke a lot about Van Halen. That was great. And uh, it was just a lot of fun. And then uh, Sunday morning for breakfast, we went to the uh, Manor House or uh, what's it called? The, uh, something at the Manor right by the airport. Yeah. You know, Steve Gorman's recommendation. We we ate until we exploded. So good times. Yeah, he certainly uh, gave us a great recommendation on that place. It's just an absolutely incredible family place. style breakfast. You sit down, there's fried chicken and biscuits and gravy and eggs and meat and whatever you name it. They pretty much had it. Now I'm just looking up the name of it because I'm forgetting the name of the place. We'll give them a plug if I can find it. Um, what was that? Do you remember what that was called? Uh, not off the top of my head. It's but I will say Manel's uh, Manel's at the manor. Manel's at the manor. There you go. Uh, go. It was uh, great being there with you because you can just like spark off a conversation with people <laughs> you've never met more than anybody I know. So it's like, cool. Let him lead. <laughs> maybe say a couple things. It's it's you know, it's a skill. I guess it's not it's not inherently natural to me, but I've learned to do it over time. I don't know, man. It's cool. I mean, we're kind of a great yin and yang. I'm like quiet and introverted and you're just like but you know right facts away. and figures. bringing me out of the shell so it's good <laughs> you know the history and all the names i could just talk to people about anything 
And you know what I will say, like one one interview that really stuck out a lot, and uh, we've already recorded a full podcast, but there's Jax Hollow. She came and sat down with us and she was like a breath of fresh air, a lot of energy, good karma. She was a lot of fun. So uh, she's the first person I think we've had on for a full podcast, or it's going to be on for a full podcast from Rock and Pod. Yeah, yeah. She uh she's definitely a hilarious person and full of uh sparks and energy. And uh yeah, we uh definitely get a kick out of talking to her. But uh yeah, this this was just a wonderful, wonderful experience, you know, like just just like meeting these other podcast weirdos and going, Hey, this is my family, you know. <laughs> it, it was just great, man. I just I appreciate it so much and I just can't wait to uh get there again uh, next year. But until then, remember, Southern Rock is reverent, blues is blood. We'll see you next time.
would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would I shop? Would I shop? Would you kill? Yes. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal, comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.